we do have with us someone that, I know this will sound crazy, but I've known of him for about a year and a half, almost two years, and his wife. Nate and Aaron, they are uh, part of Master Plan, is that correct, in Durango, and they've been a part, this church has supported them for years. Uh, and actually supported his dad, I believe, and where were you before? Romania. Romania. In Romania. And so uh, they're one of the missionaries' families that we support here, and just so happened they were in this part of the region. This past week at Night Vision, Nate was part of the evangelism training, I believe it was, that was going on there at Night Vision. But some of the time, that was an awesome concert that was going on. Michael W. Smith closed it out. Well, Friday night, and third day closed it out last night, I think it was. Awesome stuff. Anyway, Nate and Anna, they were there this weekend, and they were part of the evangelism training and stuff they were doing there. And one thing I can say, that we need more evangelism within our town and community and our nation. So it's awesome to have evangelists among you because they challenge you to step out beyond your borders. <laughs> so with all of that said and said nothing else, I want to introduce to you Mr. Nate. So we're going to do something a little crazy, and I don't live here, so if you don't like it, I'm not going to be in too much trouble. So it's good. But we're going to do a few things that are kind of crazy. Can you guys pass out some of these strings? If you didn't get any exercise this morning, take one of these strings. This will make sense later. It won't make sense for a while, though, but you're going to be wondering about it. But hopefully you can kind of forget about that for a second. You also are going to need to take one of these. Pass those out back that way. Gosh, you guys are also going to need this. We're doing some workshops, so we got all fired up with tools. <laughs> Maybe too fired up. So you're each going to need two of these cards and a pen. Okay? So take two of these. You guys, guys, you need a balloon, a string, and two cards. Now that's the end of it. If you didn't get a balloon or a string, you get to watch other people... Do crazy stuff. And you could pray that they don't hurt themselves. So, here's the deal. I want you to take these note cards real quick. You all have two, right? Nobody will see this but you. So if we have a pen, and I want you to have total freedom here. You don't have to do this if you don't want to. But if there is one issue that comes to mind that is stopping you from being who God wants you to be, write that down. So write it on each card. Guys, all have something. It doesn't necessarily have to be the biggest thing. It could be something that is a barrier in the next step that God wants you to take. You could also word it this way: If there is one thing you would love to leave this room having total victory over, what would that be? If you could walk out of here today free from one thing, what would that be? And again, nobody's going to know you wrote this. So you don't have to worry about anything like that. You can do more. Yeah, you can do more. But I think one is going to be good because we are going to use these. Same thing on both cards? Yes, same thing on both cards. And we're going to need somebody to collect one of all those cards. Can we get like a little box or basket or something like that? So toss one in, not both. Keep one, toss one in. One is just for you. One is in here. And the one in here, nobody's going to know you wrote it. Can you pass one of those out to people going that way? And could you pass one of those out 
going back this way. Just everybody get one of those cards. Yeah. Everybody get one of those cards. If you're already done, do the next thing. Take that balloon you have and blow it up. So blow it up kind of big, as big as you can get it. Yes, Sean. When you're done blowing that up, you're going to tie that string to it, and then you're going to tie that string to your ankle. Okay? <laughs> and then we're going to have some exercise in a minute. And then it will relate to everything we're talking about, I hope. I pray. <laughs> There's an idea from 5.30 in the morning in a really hot, hot tub in Montrose. <laughs> so either it was the Holy Spirit or sleeplessness. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trusting by faith it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> This will be fun, though. And you want it to be maybe a foot in length away from your foot. If you came to church thinking, I didn't get to do my little treadmill run, this activity is for you. Is everybody getting there? Sweet. I'll just say real quickly that we are with Master Plan. We focus mainly on college campuses. We have staff in a few different cities. But me and my wife, Erin, who's in the back with our two beautiful daughters, we are at Fort Lewis College. That's our focus. We both graduated from there about eight years ago, got married eight years ago, the day after tomorrow, and have been working on that campus for a long time. That campus has become our passion. At times we hate it, at times we love it, but it's, it's our mission that God's called us to, and we are focused on it. I'm sure you've seen that over years and seeing God work and seeing hard times and good times, but we love it. The college ministry isn't the only thing we do. We do a men's ministry as well. About twice a year we do a big retreat for men, and men come from around the four corners, and we try to challenge them to be men of God. Have you been to one of those? Yeah, yeah you've been to one of those retreats. And then we have recently been starting a training center. This is something that God's been putting on our heart for a long time. We consider it something like a technical school of the Bible. This won't be a seminary or a Bible school because there are a lot of those that are really good and that's not our call to reproduce that. And we couldn't. That's somebody else's gift. But we want to create a place where somebody can learn the practical application of a lot of that stuff. How can you practically and realistically get into conversations about Christ in your own sphere of influence? So it'll be like a hands-on school of ministry that'll just be really super practical. But last year, I'll just tell you really shortly and then we'll get into this encouragement. I hope it's encouraging to you. We had to trust God for $1 million to buy this property. They offered it to us for 400000 which was a huge, huge benefit. They did it because of our vision. It was another ministry that was getting rid of it, and they wanted to support the vision. So we needed the four hundred plus about 600000 to bring it up to where it needs to be. It's an amazing place, five buildings on 17 acres. One is a 24-bedroom hotel. Just an amazing place. But God did it. He came through in two months and did this amazing miracle. God is doing it. It's really cool. So that's a little bit about just our ministry, and you guys can definitely be praying for us. If you want to get on our email list, let me know, because we love it when people pray for us, because that is the only way anything happens. All right? So I want to talk about thorns today, and I want to talk about some interesting stuff that can choke out what God's doing in our lives. And I hope this encourages you in your own ministries, because like Ketrick was saying, just because you're not Ketrick doesn't mean... God doesn't want to use you where you're at, right? God has a plan for you to reach your sphere of influence. And interestingly, 
He thought you were better suited for that job than Ketrick or me. (laughs) That's why he put you there. And so there's a whole group that he wants to reach through you. I want to start by reading the parable of the sower. This is an awesome message straight from the book of Matthew. It's in chapter 13 and it goes like this. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables saying a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. The sun came up and the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. So how many of you guys want to see more fruit in your life? More fruit. How many of you want to see more fruit through your life? All around you. This parable gives us the key. Now, before we get there, I want to make a note that's kind of unassociated with what we're talking about today. If you go out and plant three seeds in the spring, how much do you expect to get back in the fall? 300. Yeah, in a real good situation. I think normally it's like nine times what you plant or something like that. But get this, you're not going to get enough to live off of. You're not going to get a whole lot. We were at a conference in Denver, and the speaker said, what kind of farmer throws seed on rocks? on the road, and in thorns. He said a moron, okay? And he said, God didn't call you to be a soil specialist. He called you to be a seed chucker. Throw seed everywhere. Chuck it everywhere. And that's the thing, I think, and this is, again, just a bunny trail, but I think in America, we've gotten to a point where we're so focused on methods, we think we're not seeing any results, so we better change our method. You know, sowing seed didn't work, so we maybe shouldn't do that anymore. We should do something different. Well, the real issue is that we didn't sow much seed. Does that make sense? Amen. And the more seed we start sowing, the more harvest we're going to start reaping. And if we're not sowing seed, we're not going to have anything to reap. Does that make sense? Yes. It's just a good principle. So going back to fruit, if we want to see more fruit, Jesus tells us some things here. Fruit gets choked out by what? What does Jesus say? Thorns. Thorns choke out this fruit that God wants to produce in and through us. So how many of you guys want some fruit right now? Yeah. Any of you? You guys like fruit? Okay, if you don't like this fruit, it came from the hotel lobby this morning. <laughs> I ate bananas, so that one just broke. I'm like trying not to touch it. Any more fruit here? All right. Who else wants some more fruit? This nasty banana is yours. It's even nastier now. It's not good. Okay, as we're talking about fruit, we all want more fruit. All through Scripture, we see this command to produce fruit. Every good tree bears fruit. Produce fruit in accordance with repentance. If God is working in my life, He cannot not produce fruit. The Holy Spirit is not an invalid. If He's working through me, fruit's going to be coming out. Isn't that right? And if there's not fruit coming out, then at some point I'm letting thorns choke it. (laughs) I'm letting thorns choke the process. I'm letting thorns stop what He wants to do through every single believer. It's not just through somebody that's a full-time minister, right? It's through each one of us. Colossians 1.10 says, Live a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. That's a huge encouragement. So there are two kinds of fruit that God produces. There are two kinds of fruit that we're talking about. Galatians 5.19-23 talks about the fruit of the flesh, or as Leah, Leah is one of the students that just joined our staff team, 
She calls it the vegetables of the flesh. <laughs> okay? Talks about all the junk. And then it talks about what the Holy Spirit is doing through us. The fruit of the Spirit. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All that stuff. That's the fruit that God is producing in us. And that's all real good fruit. And hopefully you're seeing that in increasing measure. I'm not saying you have to be perfectly joyful. Because if you're there... I'm not. (laughs) We should talk afterwards. But that fruit is happening in increasing measure, right? Over time, you see more and more and more of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. But that's not all. That is something totally different than the other kind of fruit that God wants to produce. And that's the fruit that He wants to produce through our life. So it's in and through, right? It's not either or. It's not one or the other. It's both and. He wants to produce fruit in you, and He wants to produce fruit through you. Both. The fruit through you would be the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18-20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. So, before we go further, the authority is His. He said, Hey, this is what I'm telling you to do, and I have the authority to do this. Right? All authority has been given to Me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That includes making disciples of Telluride. This city, as I sat here, and I was up at 5.30 in the morning, having my quiet time in the hot tub in Montrose, thinking, I want to encourage you guys. I've seen this city. This is like my first home church. I was born prematurely. I probably should have died. This church prayed me through that. Okay, this church is very special to me. And as I was praying and asking God, how can I encourage you? I really want to keep in front of you the vision that Telluride is yours. Okay, Telluride is yours. Telluride is not impossible for God. Telluride is a ripe harvest, even if it doesn't seem that way. And I know I've lived here. I know it doesn't necessarily seem that way all the time. But it is. Jesus said that it is. And he already said in John 12 that he's working in every single person's heart, drawing them to himself. That's happening. Okay? And you can trust him and the people around you. And so I'm encouraging you to expect fruit through your life. Sometimes as Christians, we start to be okay with not seeing fruit. I think we can even get to the point where we start to think, as long as I don't crash and burn, things would be great. Okay? I, I tell my guys, I tell my guys that I'm discipling, this is fighting to survive versus fighting to win. Does that make sense? Sometimes we fight to survive. We think, as long as I don't look at porn and I go to church on Sunday, then everything will be fine. Okay? That's fighting to survive. And the result is you don't win. You might survive, but you might feel like that's about all you do. But if you fight to win, you always survive. If you're fighting to win, you're never going to just survive. If your passion is seeing this city one to Christ, I'm pretty sure porn is not going to be an issue. I'm pretty sure these other things, these other thorns are not going to be issues, right? Because your passion is Him, and He's working in and through you. And that is going to revolutionize every aspect of your life. Okay, so fight to win. So the sower lays out three scenarios. The one that got choked by the thorns, it says, never produced fruit. Right? Some fell on the road, and it never came to life at all. Some fell on the rocks, and it didn't grow. Some fell, and it grew, and then it got tangled by thorns, and it didn't produce fruit. So if we want to produce fruit, we've got to deal with some thorns. Remember in Jeremiah 4, we're told about this. Do not sow among thorns. God wants us to circumcise our hearts, it says. To weed out that junk that's going to prevent fruit. That's going to keep us. 
Just think about what it would be like to have 30 times as much fruit coming out of your life as there is now. Okay, and that's the low end of Jesus' figure there. What about 60 times as much fruit? What about 100 times as much fruit? Can you imagine? Just visualize. Think about what it would be like if there's 100 times as much fruit coming out of your life. Well, if you want that, I think that would equal Telluride being one, yeah. right? 100 times as much fruit. You have to deal with the thorns. And every single one of us does. And again, this is completely God's grace is sufficient. His mercy is sufficient. This isn't talking about your position with Christ or your relationship with Christ, but it's talking about the fruit that comes out of a life that he already dwells in and he's not going to leave. Okay, so let's go back to Matthew 13, 7 through 8, and it describes it this way. It says, and then verse 22, Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Then the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. So the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, riches, pleasures, and desires, and other things choke us and keep us from maturing and bearing fruit. Does that make sense? It's all these things that consume my thinking other than the thing that should consume my thinking. Remember the one thing that Jesus talked about in Luke when Martha was making all these preparations? And Jesus said, there's only one thing that matters, and it's me. Okay, that word choke is apopnego, and it means to choke or to suffocate or to drown. So imagine your spiritual life being suffocated and choked and not being able to produce fruit. It comes from the root nego, which means to strangle or to wring one's neck. So imagine those cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, those ambitions that we all strive for but that we don't achieve. And imagine those things with their hands around your neck. And they're choking out what God desires to do when they consume me more than He does. We're going to have people read these, and again, nobody knows who wrote what, right? So this is totally anonymous. But I think the benefit of this is all of you, what Satan does is, to each one of us, as he says, that issue in your life, you're the only person that struggles with that, right? And I think when you guys hear other people reading this, you're going to go, wow, gosh, somebody in this room is in my same shoes. And we both need God to come through for us. These are some thorns, some issues, that are keeping people from the next step that they want to take with God. Evil realm plus past. Evil realm plus past. Okay, money, love in my life, or Money. Pride and lack of self-confidence. Wow, pride and lack of self-confidence. Those two go together. Trevor. All reds. All reds. Fellowship with my Lord. Lord. Dealing with uh, public criticism at work. Sexual desire. Sexual sin and desires, yeah. Sexual desire and marriage. Not trusting. Not trusting. Bad relationships. Bad relationships. Control. Control. Finances. Worrying about jobs and money. Worrying about jobs and money. Finances. Over here. Time. Time. Fear of man. Fear of man. Pride. Pride. Wow. What's that? Weed. Weed. Yeah. Desire for a boyfriend. Desire for a boyfriend. Fear of man and complacency. Fear of man and complacency. Doubt and, cons- and alcohol. Fear. Fear. Wow, I'm wearing underneath here. Just a. 
It says Crush Fear. It's our t-shirt. We do this whole project called Crush Fear. It's two weeks of helping people just crush fears. and We live controlled by fear, so many of us. I've lived there for many years, right? And God slowly crushes those things. Okay. Being judged. Being judged. Um, wanting power. Wanting power. Love of money. Love of money. Need for approval. Bills. Bills. Bad decisions. Bad decisions. My beautiful stepmother does not make bad decisions. <laughs> Dad. Temptation of lust. Temptation and lust. Okay, back here. Anybody back here? Yeah, money, control, house, all that stuff. Are there any others? Okay, right here. One is money and one is complacency. Could you guys relate to almost every single one of those as being weeds that choke us out? I don't care who you are. You're not alone. And just on a side note, James 5.16, confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed, right? Get with somebody sometimes, just as a side note. Get with key trigger somebody and tell them, man, this is, this is the thorn. This is the thing that's keeping me from that step that God wants me to take. Let's deal with it together. The second you verbalize that, I think 80% of its power is gone. Okay? Probably 80% is gone the second it's out in the light. The more honest you are and vulnerable with each other, you get great fellowship with each other and with God. My accountability partner, Austin, and I, the more crud we confess to each other, the more wrong desires, the more pride, the more arrogance, the more every, every time that we get on the phone, we're like, I can't believe this thought went through my mind and I actually entertained it. You know, God has to save this disgusting body of mine. Every time we confess those things, our friendship is closer, right? Our friendship grows. So don't believe the lie that if somebody else knew, they would not accept me. The opposite is true. You're going to build a strong connection and a strong bond, okay? So those are some barriers. Those are some thorns. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says they choke out the fruit and they destroy it. Now, if we want to get to that 30, 60, or 100 times uh, your investment, right? If you want to get to that 100 times the amount of fruit you're seeing now, we got to crush those things. we got to get rid of those things and destroy them. Now, I want to read Romans 16, 19 through 20. It says, Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I am full of joy over you. Okay, this is Paul talking to the Romans. And he says, But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Okay? So he's talking about these issues, these thorns, and he's saying be innocent about that stuff. And be wise about what is good. And you know what wisdom is? Wisdom is applied knowledge. So when he says be wise about what is good, he's saying know what's good and then do what's good. And then he's saying about all that evil stuff, get, get away from it, right? Be innocent about all that evil stuff. And then he gives this awesome promise. He says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That's sweet. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. How many of you would like to have your issue crushed under your feet? I would, right? Wouldn't? Don't you want that crushed, destroyed, gone, removed, not stopping you from the life that God's called you to, not stopping you from the fruit that He wants to produce through your life? He wants it crushed. And see, this isn't God being judgmental with you. This is God in His awesome mercy and grace saying, it's for freedom that I set you free, Galatians 5.1. Live in that freedom. 
Do not be entangled again with the yoke of slavery, right? But live in that freedom. This is the call and the cry of God's heart, that we'd be free to be and to do all that He's called us to, okay? So I want to do this crazy activity that might be insane, but you guys have to crush these balloons, okay? Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Jackson, I love you so much. You need a balloon on your head. Jackson, you need to come up here, buddy. You need a balloon. Or you can just try and crush other people's balloons. You might need a chair so you don't die. Oh, that's okay. I'll be resurrected. Sweet. Okay, here's the deal. Do you guys have a Sharpie in here, a marker? Okay, put your feet together there. You know. Okay, somebody yell out one of your cards again. Okay, I'm going to put a big, huge R. Here's the thorn that's choking us out. Okay, what's another one? Control. A big C. (laughs) Okay, what's another one? Money. Money. There it is. It's a big M right on Jackson's feet. Okay, what's another one? so I can share this. When I was in college, we talking about accountability, me and some friends made an accountability agreement that we wouldn't date a non-Christian. Now, if you've ever been in this situation or you're not a Christian yourself, this isn't because we're better than non-Christians, okay? It isn't because we think that they're not as good as us, but it's simply because I'm growing with this Savior that wants to work in my life, and if you're going to be right alongside me, you've got to understand that. Because there's going to be a whole lack of communication if that's not the case. But among friends, we just said, we don't want to date a non-Christian. We're going to keep each other accountable to that. And it was shortly after that that I decided to ask this girl on a date that I really liked. My dad probably has never even heard this story. And I saw her. We were, we were hanging out. She was in a group of all Christians from the same ministry we're on staff with now. And I, I told my friend Austin, who's my accountability partner to this day, I said, if that girl snowboards, I'm marrying her. Because that was kind of my life then. She walks up to me and says, I hear you're a sponsored snowboarder. I was like, oh my gosh, this is my wife. <laughs> so I wanted to believe that this girl was on track. So I was kind of saying, do you go to church yet? She's a Christian, for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm doing anything I can. So anyway, we have our first date. And I'm at my house with this girl cooking fajitas. Okay. And in bust, like five of my friends that had this accountability agreement with me, and they duct tape me head to toe, and they say, you're not dating this girl. And the girl is screaming at him, going, you guys are jerks. You guys are stupid. You guys are mean. And they're like, we're really sorry, but he can't do this. And so they, four of the guys took me, and one of the guys stayed back to drive her home. <laughs> no joke. You can ask my wife. Did you marry her? Huh? Did he? No. None of those guys did. I've seen her a few times since, and it's extremely awkward every time I see her. But these were some friends that were looking out for me and knew that God had this awesome woman, Erin, for me. Well, we didn't know it was her yet, but they knew God had someone for me, and they were protecting me from a pitfall. So accountability is good, and duct tape works for a while. They also threw me in the trunk of the car, too. But by the time we got to the destination, I had broken out. Anyway, so it's not perfect. Okay, so with, with all that being said, totally off-track story. If you have a balloon, come on up here to the front. And 
Sean, you're gonna jam out right now. <laughs> here, can I take that balloon and put it on Jackson here? She, yeah, just slip it off. Oh, perfect, perfect. Okay, here, here. Okay, so here's the deal, guys. We do this with college students, and it's a lot of fun. Get all grouped up. We are going to take one minute, and you're gonna crush as many of those balloons as you possibly can. Okay, go for it. Excuses, and then one guy, Mark, he goes, I'm doing it. He gets on this bench and just starts. 
screaming his guts out. I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, quiet down. You know? <laughs> I'm getting all, I'm getting all insecure just being around, and he's just like, letting loose. This crowd gets around him, and this atheist that we've been doing all these debates with, the atheist club that semester, he comes up and he goes, now this is evangelism I can get used to. <laughs> Sweet, okay, that works. And I had somebody ask me once, I said, we should go street preaching together just for fun. He said, what would people think of me if they saw me? I said, they probably think that you have more courage than anyone they know. <laughs> but anyway, he called me that night, and you know what he said? It was Wednesday night, and he said, Nate, I know it's your date night. And we don't like the students to bother us on our date night. But he goes, I know it's your date night, and I don't want to bother you, but I had to talk. He said, I have never in my life felt the freedom that I feel right now. And he said, and I have to debrief from today. <laughs> I have to debrief from today, because I've never felt this way before. And I thought, praise God. So that's my encouragement, is as you take these little risks, you're going to sense this freedom that God created you for. And this isn't... A duty, but this is a joy. It's something that's exciting. Jesus tells us in John 8, If you hold my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And this isn't saying, I hope the son sets you free. You are free, guys. You are his sons and daughters, and you're already free. And this stuff is is stuff that he purchased at Calvary, your freedom. And he wants to give you freedom from that. He wants to crush Satan very soon under your feet individually and as a church. And he wants this city to come to him. So in John 15, 8, Jesus puts it this way. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Being a disciple means loving him with everything. John 15, 1 through 5, 8 and 16. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, that it will bear even more fruit. Those times that maybe seem difficult, where you're going, what's going on, God? God is patiently and graciously allowing you to go through some of those things. Look at James chapter 1, so that you'll be more complete and bear more fruit. It's not a sign of God's displeasure with you guys. God is making you into the person that he's called you to be. He's making you into the person that He's called you to be right now. Okay, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. If we're going to bear fruit, if we're going to have victory over these issues, we have to remain in Him. Remain doesn't mean come occasionally. right? That's the fighting to survive mentality. I'll show up at sun, you know, Sunday at church. That's coming occasionally. Remaining means every single day, I start the day, end the day, and live the day with Him. He's in every aspect of my life throughout the day. It doesn't mean you're perfect and you're going to sin. In the Holy Spirit, the more you let Him have control, the more you will know that as soon as it happens. And the more you'll be ready to confess that to Him and ask His forgiveness. But as you remain in Him, guys, you will bear more fruit. And more fruit. And more fruit. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Fruit that will last for all of eternity. Ten million years from now, we'll be thinking about this tiny little flash that we have on this planet. Thankful for the fruit that God produced that we will never stop enjoying for eternity, guys. We'll never stop. It'll be there forever. And guys, God is going to take everything you do for Him and He's going to produce that fruit. You can trust that whether you see it or not. 
I know my dad shared with a guy in a bar once. The guy ended up being a pastor for close to 30 years. He still is. Just two weeks ago, I was doing an evangelism training at a church. A guy came up to me afterwards. Do you remember this guy, Mike? I said, vaguely. I know a lot of Mikes. He said it was about six, seven years ago. He went to one of your retreats. I said, was he real big and tall, have long hair? The guy said, yeah, we called him Hippie Mike. I said, yeah, I shared with that guy for probably two hours that night. I thought he was a Christian, but just wasn't too sure about where he was at with God. And this guy, whose name was Nathan, who's telling me the story, said, actually, now when he shares his testimony, he says that you led him to Christ that night at that retreat. I had no idea, guys. As you take these steps and remain in him, and he's bearing fruit through you, you might not see it. But trust him, it's happening, okay? It's happening. Life, growth, abundance, joy, meaning, significance, freedom, and fruit, everything in this life is wrapped up in knowing him and pursuing him, seeking him every single day, like Ketrick mentioned this morning. So you guys, the bottom line is God will soon crush Satan under your feet. He's going to use your feet to do it. You're going to be part of this process. You're going to have to invest some energy like they did today running around, and you're going to have to stomp some. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun when you see God working through you. He's going to use you guys. It's going to happen as you allow these chains to be broken, these thorns to be pulled, little by little, as uncomfortable as that is. And the result is 30, 60, or 100-fold fruit. It's the most awesome thing in the world. Okay, now the next thing I forgot to ask you, do you have a paper shredder? Yes. Ah, sweet. Can we plug it in back there? Sean, can you just play something that is like totally maybe... Contemplative, worshipful, something. <laughs> yeah, whatever you, whatever you play when you shred paper at home. Okay, guys, and this is just symbolic, but I think in your mind to actually make this step could be really good. Take that second card that has your issue on it. We're going to plug this paper shredder in in the back and just head over there and, and toss that thing in the shredder, Okay. And just give it to God verbally as you do that. Say, God, this is yours. You know, I want to take the first step and let you take control of this. And so that's all I have to say. Maybe just pray a minute as Sean plays. And Kedrick will be here in a minute. Thank you guys so much. I'm going to pray too while, while Kedrick is bringing this out. God, we just thank you so much for today. We thank you that you already purchased our victory, God. We, we thank you that you produce fruit in and through us. We thank you for all you want to do in Telluride. God, I pray that you'd give Telluride to this church, to the Christians in this community, God, that we would see Telluride one for you. God, I realize that every person in this town is hungry for you, Jesus, and this harvest is ripe. And I don't care what types of things people in this town try to get or do to fill the need that only you can satisfy, God. But all of it is evidence that they are searching. And all of it is evidence that they, that they are empty and longing and desire to know you. So God, give us a city. And right now today, God, I pray that, that you would just do a work in our hearts. That you change us from the inside out through your Holy Spirit's power to be the people that you want us to be, God. And as we sit here, we thank you so much, God, for what you did on the cross so that each one of us could even be here today, so that we could be your kids, so that we could be your children, God, and so that we could be expecting an eternity with you in heaven. We thank you, God, and we don't forget all that you paid so that we could have this relationship. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Here's key trick. So just pray, think, and uh, toss that in, and then key trick will close this out.
So stand to your feet, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Nate. God, we talk about your awesomeness. We sing about how wonderful you are. God is. Lord, it doesn't compare it when you show up and you demonstrate how awesome you are. The way you love us and your plans you have for us. So, God, we thank you and we praise you. We so appreciate what you've done here in this place. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are teaching us and you are equipping us to break the yokes, to break the chains, to pop those air-filled things around us, Lord, and uproot the thorns that are trying to harass us in our lives. We thank you. And Lord, we do this special prayer for Nate and Aaron, Lord, as they are called and sent by you into a field that is so needed in our nation, Lord, raising up the next generation of leaders for our nation, Lord, that you would continue to give them wisdom, Lord, and strategies, Lord, how to speak even deeper into the heart of that college campus and the town that surrounds them, Lord, we bless you, and we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name, amen.